forever. to think that goes a long way toward establishing a kind of a new direction for Buckaroo Holiday. You know, we've been experimenting with the opening, and uh, I don't know, that's getting closer, don't you think? I sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. This will be the first Buckaroo Holiday proper in quite a while. Quite a while. <laughs> Reasons for that are numerous, some bad things, Last time I was here with you, we were discussing the death of my mother-in-law, which was a sad occasion and a difficult one in many ways, but ever since then, boy, things have been a little bit screwy. Had a car accident, the IRS fucked us royally, some scary health stuff emerging with us and the kids, and you get the idea. Things haven't been all bad, very important to keep that in mind. So what have I been doing since that show? Well, I did those movie music shows, and that's ongoing. There'll be another one on the Patreon soon. We'll be continuing Brad Dourif's comments on some of the stuff that he's worked on. On the Patreon, we discussed um, John Houston, Wise Blood, Michael Cimino, Heaven's Gate. On the upcoming one, he talks about working with David Lynch and Werner Herzog, other stuff. So what else? I've been doing a lot of artwork. I developed a uh, new fascination with the old underground comics I used to love when I was younger. Just really, I don't know, devouring them again. There's a lot about them that I love. And although I'm not doing comics, it did inspire an impulse to uh, work on some artwork. Maybe I'll post some of them uh, on the Patreon. I'm considering collecting them when I have enough of them done along with some other material, into uh, a little kind of zine and send it to Buckaroo Holiday supporters, if interested. I don't know if anybody is. Let me know if you would like something like that. Still working with my close friend Gus Bodenheim over on WFMU for Irwin Chusett's show on Wednesdays. Now, among the things I wanted to discuss a little bit today, um, Kenneth Anger, filmmaker, died last month and I'll talk about that a little later too but eh, let's just get into music let's get some energy here get the blood flowing I'm gonna play a little guided by voices uh, 
Pollard channeling The Who. I told you in the past how much I love The Stranglers, and that extends to Hugh Cornwell. Play something by him. But first, a song that might be familiar to many of you from childhood. It's performed here by Sister Bertrill. And with Sister Bertrill, I welcome you to Buckaroo Holiday.
they die, they leave me living slow. Mother, I remember the cat dying on the road. Father, gotta thank you for the cowboy in the hood.
See what I mean about Robert Pollard channeling the Who? That's Goggles by Rank, by Guided by Voices. And before that, When I Was a Young Man by Hugh Cornwell from uh, last year, 2022. Moments of Madness album. I think it's great. It's the kind of elder statesman statement that I kind of like. And there at the top, I said it was Sister Bertriel, and it was Sister Bertriel as portrayed by Sally Field on the television show The Flying Nun. That's come up before. Oh, yeah, I was talking about it on the Australia shows because of the Flying Nun record label. But Flying Nun was a really bizarre 60s sitcom. They did an album of songs related to the show, and that was one of them. Oompa, oompa, papa. Now you hear behind me the three sons doing one of my favorite songs, Skylark by Hoagie Carmichael. I think I included it on the shows I did for TFAB of the golden age of American songwriters. And somebody else I've mentioned from time to time is Al Cooper. He came up on the Horn Rock shows we were talking about because of his involvement with Electric Flag and the early Blood, Sweat and Tears. He's just a guy who was everywhere in rock and roll. And we got something here from a 2001 release called Rare and Well Done. And I'm not sure when he actually recorded it, but it might have been right around that time. It's a kind of a Brian Wilson sort of number. It's got characteristic Al Cooper chords in it, but it's going for that Brian Wilson sound. Unfortunately, he's using a lot of uh, synthesizers instead of conventional instruments, I should say. MIDI or whatever the fuck it is, and, eh, you know, it loses a little for that, but it's still great. It's called Autumn Song. And after that, I got a Velvet Underground track, Beginning to See the Light, an early take with John Cale on the bass. But first is a piece from an album of 20th century recorder music. I used to have some friends who were classical musicians, actually played in orchestras and stuff, and they told jokes about recorder players. <laughs> Not a lot of respect for the instrument, but I like recorder. Vivian Stanchel used it a lot, but admittedly not a favorite instrument for 20th century composers. But lo and behold, here's this album. I guess it's late 50s or so. The Manhattan Recorder Consort playing 20th century compositions. This one's by a composer named Hans Ulrich Steps, and it's one of four dances. So, you know, put on your wooden dancing shoes and uh, have at it. Let's go. Check it out, y'all. Fuck 
So I was talking before about uh, Kenneth Anger and about Ms. Binkowitz's commissioned shows on 70s film music. So here's where those themes come together. I'm going to play a little bit of music from a film finished in 1972, but because the soundtrack was delayed somewhat, it wasn't widely seen until 1980. Lucifer Rising by Kenneth Anger. So he died last month, as I said. He wrote the book Hollywood Babylon, and he made a number of films beginning in the 1940s. Resolutely independent, utterly original. His films tend to be dreamlike and cryptic, and I like them, even though, or maybe because I have nothing in common with him, and have no affinity for his fixations, including Satanism, Leather Boy, Rough Trade, homosexuality, etc. And I detest the Alistair Crowley motto he lived by, which is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. But as much as I loathe that message, I love work that's personal and individual. And if those aspects are part of the artist, then they're an important part of the work. So uh, I don't have to be like him to dig what he's doing. My brother and I met him around the time Lucifer Rising was first widely released, and I liked the guy. We had a nice conversation about some of his methods and theories of filmmaking. And one thing was that he edited his films based on some occult code drawn from his devotion to Crowley's hoodoo. Uh, included the predominant color of a shot determining its placement, and the duration of each shot was also dictated by some arcane system. 
And for me, the result was disorienting and resisted any interpretation, good, <laughs> but somehow was illogically, but firmly itself, and also generally beautiful. And it also further persuaded me of this idea of hidden context. For instance, the song from a musical, if performed apart from the show, like in a concert or a nightclub, there's a ballast to the number. There's a backstory that enriches it somehow, even if you don't know the show or anything. I got a Hemingway quote on that here. If a writer of prose knows enough of what he's writing about, he may omit things that he knows, and the reader, if the writer is writing truly enough, will have a feeling of those things as strongly as though the writer had stated them. So, you know, it's a theory anyway. But for Anger, the idea wasn't a theory, it wasn't a creative strategy, it was more. It was, in his mind, he told us this, by watching the film, one was actually participating in a satanic ritual because of those color schemes and durations. And that meant nothing to me. What I felt like is watching these films is that I was immersed in someone else's dreams. So the beauty and that illogic were dependent on each other. They created an experience that for me was then and still is, because I watch these films from time to time, uh, tedious and fascinating at the same time, off-putting and absorbing at the same time. And we don't have to understand something or agree with its stance to benefit from it, to enjoy it, and even admire it. In fact, one of the best lessons for me in life has been to put some directed effort into that very exercise. It's led me into things where I found great sympathetic connection, like Ives and Cassavetes, which were tough to approach at first, but revealed themselves to me as something resonant for me. But also, it led me into things that I find a lot in, a lot of value in, without any real sympathy for what the artist is into or what he's saying or she's saying. For instance, uh, the radical politics and drug-saturated perspective and the particular sex fetishism of a lot of the underground cartoonists of the 60s and 70s. You know, it leaves me cold, a lot of that stuff. It did then, does now, but the work is amazing and the truth of the artist's expression is compelling. And all this also helped me deal with people whose ideas are alien or ridiculous to me. And I'm assuming other people have used a similar approach to deal with me, so who knows? Anyway, more on that later maybe, but in the meantime, the release of Lucifer Rising was delayed because the music was being made in prison by Bobby Beausoleil. This guy was a deranged hippie serving a life sentence for a brutal murder ordered by Charles Manson over some kind of squalid little drug deal or whatever. Beausoleil means beautiful son. Well, <laughs> not so much. Very talented guy, but fucking moron. Got into drugs, got into crime, got into Manson. And so went his life. But you're hearing his music right now. This is a score for Lucifer Rising, performed by a prison orchestra. And I'll shut up a little while and play a little more of it.
So cheers to Kenneth Anger, wherever he does or doesn't dwell. That's the gist of it, and you can hear the whole soundtrack out there somewhere, and you can look at the movie and hear the soundtrack, which I recommend doing. It's very interesting stuff. Whether you like it or not, I don't know, but it's worth a look. I don't want to dwell too much in these satanic realms, you know. <laughs> I don't want to mess around with that. No, sorry. In fact, I'm going to play something that's kind of a antidote. Maybe it's like positive hoodoo. I don't know. I'm going to play something by uh, a gospel vocal group called the Jubilaires. Many, many tekel, it's called. This is a reference to uh, the Bible, the story of Daniel. Daniel was kind of like Joseph, the one with the amazing Technicolor dream coat. He was a dream interpreter, so a lot of these kings put up with him. Nebuchadnezzar had gone through a lot with Daniel there, with the, with the what you call your um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all that, you know, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, he's Belshazzar now, is having this big feast, and Daniel's there, and his hand appears in the air, like there's all these concubines, and booze is flowing, and it's like an orgy. And they're worshipping their gods, which are all, you know, animistic, pagan idols. And this hand appears and writes in flame on the wall. That's where you get the term, the writing on the wall. Many, many tekel uparsan, I think it is. And it makes no sense. So Belshazzar says, hey, you know, Daniel, what's that mean? And it boils down to something like, you know, God's got his eye on you and your kingdom and you're screwed. You've been uh, weighed in the balance and found wanting. There you go. If you want to know more about it, check out the book of Daniel. These particular Bible stories connected to Daniel were very important to the old spirituals and the gospel tunes to black American churches in general because of the metaphors and all that. But we'll hear that number. And then we're going to hear another piece of a soundtrack. This one's from the 60s. It's written by Leigh Harline, who, among many other things, wrote the scores for Pinocchio and Snow White. So when you push upon a star and hi-ho, it's off to work, you know, and all that stuff. He wrote this music for a film called The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau with Tony Randall, George Pal picture. Very interesting film with some cool model animation stuff in it. It's a calliope version of the main theme of the movie that recurs throughout. Reminds me of the calliopes at Knobles, which we're going to in a couple of weeks. Knobles is filled with these restored classic calliopes and music machines all over the park. It's magical. After that, we're going to switch gears to a song by Shirley Collins and Davy Graham, an old folk number called Hairs on the Mountain. And with that in mind, and with the movie score thing in mind, I'm going to play another track from a score that I used on one of the 70s music score shows, Jerry Goldsmith, the score for Wild Rovers. This is a song from it, sung by his daughter, and it's your main Wild Rovers theme. It's a little bit corny, I think, but you know me. Let's get to the whole set, starting with The Jubilaires from 1950. Many, many tackle, tackle, tackle. Many, many tackle. You far son. Many, many tackle. Tackle, tackle. 
rainy nanny tackle. You for son now the king of Babylon, Belshazzar. Wow. Was feasting on his golden piazza. Wow. He and his wives dressed so fine. Stuffing and chicken and mellow wine. The king of Babylon, Belshazzar. Wow. Was the dirty old wow. razzadazzar. Wow. Never paid no wow. income taxes. A big shot to Babylon, Jerusalem axes. Rainy nanny tackle. Slowly marched overhead And this is what the writing of the good Lord said He said, many, many tackle, many, many tackle Many, many tackle You got son, not a king Said I'll give any tramp in the room a pot of gold If you just come up and dig the writing and tell me what's told In came Daniel and spurn them all And begin to dig what was written on the wall He said, king Stop defaulting me, you been wait You're bound to all of your days of numbered days Because the Lord don't like your wicked ways Many, many tackle Many, many tackle Many, many tackle You pass out Take guns and go hunting. 
Now, Davy Graham and Shirley Collins, who you heard there, were major figures in the UK folk music movement of the 60s and 70s and onward. So I think I might play somebody else who was a key figure in that movement, Martin Carthy. And we're going to have him singing a song by David Ackles, who I've talked about and played on previous shows. I really like his stuff. For a lot of people, it falls uncomfortably between Leonard Cohen-type songwriting and Broadway-type songwriting. Kind of a weird overlap, but that's what he did. And it's clearly not for everybody, but I like it. And I'm going to have Martin Carthy here singing a dark, moving song of Ackles called His Name is Andrew. And then a little bit after that, I'm going to play another cover of an Ackles song. It's called Your Face, Your Smile, and it's performed by Stacy Sullivan. And if Martin Carthy brings out the Leonard Cohen-ish side of Ackles, Stacy brings out the Broadway side of Ackles. And if you have a taste for that stuff at all, I think you'll find it very touching. If you don't, go get something to drink. In between those, I'm going to play a short movement from a string quartet by the great Brazilian composer via Lobos. And then at the end, I'm going to uh, tack on a track that I think is lovely. It's called An Endless Landscape by Savages. And Savages is the name of a producer from Hungary, from Budapest. He's half of a team called Savages e Suefo. It's from an album called Life in the Wild Garden. Ambient kind of thing that I think it's a real good one. It's from about, oh, three or four years ago. And in case you're wondering, what you're hearing behind me is a track by an act called Jason and the Argo Nuts. Speaking of stop-motion animation, it's called Things That Go Bump in the Night. Speaking of Satanism. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I like the kind of catchy, clunky thing about it. You know what I mean? You hear it? ba 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 da ba I like clunky, and I like catchy, and I like Jason and the Argonauts, and I like you. And because I like you so much, I'm going to depress the shit out of you with this David Ackles song via Martin Carthy. is Andrew He works at the canning factory He doesn't have a friend He chooses to wait alone for his life to end When Andrew just a little boy He learned all the words To all the hymns of joy And he sang them on Sunday And he sang them on Monday And through April and through May And he caught them God is love God is love And he believed them 
This child was Andrew He lived in a world of no sense On him the lion grinned He sang in the arms of God As he strung along When Andrew tall and twenty-one He wandered far from God and wondered what he'd done For he still sang on Sunday Though he muddled through Monday With a silence in his head Till in jest it said God redeems God redeems and he believed it This man was Andrew On hearing a voice he thought was stilled Returned to the arms of grace He stumbled from the arms of night Into a lighted place When Andrew returned into the light He Lifted his voice and sang away the night And the preacher from Sunday Heard him singing on Monday And he stopped him with a word From the dark he I work at the canning factory I do not have a friend I choose to wait alone For this life to end
stop talking to you, telling you all my dreams and worries every day. I've got to start letting you go, letting you go. It's even hard to say. A part of you will always stay. He's got your face, your smile. When he laughs, I laugh. When he cries, I cry again. I'm just a girl again. Because he touches me, and I feel joy again. He's got your lips, your eyes. Where they look, I look. When they're closed, I watch him sleep. The way I once watched you. I've got to stop talking to you, telling you all my dreams and worries every day. I've got to start letting you go. An Endless Landscape by Savages. You might have noticed I haven't done any of my usual, uh, you know, socio-political talking today. You're welcome. Not in the mood. And anyway, what's the use? But I got a song that uh, will proxy for that. It's from 1966. 
It's a one-off from an Indiana band called The Gnomes. It's called Sky is Falling. And it is. And then after that, I'm going to play a song that was sent to me by Jimmy the K after he astutely noticed a brief quotation from a Wallace Stevens poem called The Emperor of Ice Cream. That was on the last regular Buckaroo Holiday show. And he sent me this setting of the poem by his friend David E. Williams and... I think it's really great. See what you think of it. It's a very dark poem, and Williams treats it appropriately. And then just to get a little sunlight into things, I'm going to play a song called Soleil, not Beau Soleil. Oh, no. Soleil by a stereo lab kind of an act called L'Augmentation. That's from 1998. And since we started with a 60s garage type of thing, I'm going to end with a 60s garagey bubblegummy kind of thing. This is a, another one-off. The band has the strange name We in a Nutshell. Go figure. Don't know much about them, but the song's called Never Fade Away, and it's a pastiche. <clears throat> By the way, my throat is kind of dry today. The air is thick with smoke from these uh, fires up in Canada, I guess, and apparently there's some in Jersey now, too. So pardon my rasp. What was I saying? So this thing is a pastiche. It's like, you'll hear it sounds a little bit like the Love and Spoonful, a lot like the Love and Spoonful, actually. It sounds like, um, do you believe in magic? But then there's bits of it that sound like the Rascals, Girl Like You. I could hear the turtles in here. It's, it's just a melding of all that kind of 60s pop. And for that, I think it's terrific. It's a cheesy record. It ain't a great record, but it's, it's a, I like it, you know, and that's, that's all you need so is liking it doesn't need to carry credentials or some shit. You be the judge. I'm not holding your hand, but I'll take your hand right now and lead you to The Sky is Falling from The Gnomes.
the strangely familiar sounds of We in a Nutshell. What'd you think of that David E. Williams song, The Emperor of Ice Cream? I had never heard his music before. It was sent to me by Jimmy the K, and I've listened to some more of it since then. He did a lot of stuff over the years. What would you call it? It's kind of arty. It's got a sense of humor. It's kind of cinematic. It's kind of downtown. The sensibility, I would liken it to something like The Scene Is Now, if that makes sense. If you dug that track, listen to some more of his work. Maybe I'll play something by The Scene Is Now. That's right, I will. I'll play something by them called Rope. And I don't know if they were thinking about the Hitchcock film. But you know, there's a lot of this kind of film scoring thing in the air now on the Buckaroo holiday, don't you think? So uh, let's say it's based on the film Rope. And I'll follow that with something that, well, it's not a film score. It's a TV score, I guess. This song was used in a show called Better Call Saul that my wife got addicted to. I kind of watched it secondhand. I was busy doing other stuff, but I wound up watching most of it twice. <laughs> and this thing came up and it leaped right out at me. It's by a group that I think of as a lounge act, a vocal group called Pink Martini. And they did an album with three of the great grandchildren of the original Von Trapp family singers, subjects of The Sound of Music. And it gets all over the place. A lot of it is cheesy in a way that I don't really resonate with. But this is gorgeous. It's a Brahms piece called In Stille Nacht. And then after that, I'm going to play something by Chassol, whose name is Christoph Chassol, but he goes by the last name. And this is another thing I was just recently turned on to. My friend Lane Steinberg, whose music you've heard on the show, often points out really cool stuff to me. And this was something he turned me on to. This guy has done some composition. He's like a Berkeley grad and all this kind of stuff. So he lives in that serious world, I guess. But he's done a lot of stuff that he calls ultra scoring. Now he's done some movie scores, but this ultra scoring thing is he takes YouTube videos of people doing various things, like school children singing some song or something he records on the street, and then he orchestrates it. He just sets that recording to new accompaniment. And he does this here with a piece of Indian street music. Now, is this appropriation? Uh, I just, I asked that question. It ain't a real question. There's no such fucking thing. Music is music. It's doing an interesting thing. He calls this piece Little Krishna and the Girls. Stick with it. I think there's some beautiful stuff in it. Then I'm going to bring it back to something that's a little more uh, conventional sounding. The great jazz guitarist George Epps doing a track called Lost Canyon. And I'll wrap up the set with Doris Troy. She had a big hit called Just One Look, you may recall. She was a background singer. She worked as a background singer alongside other great singers like Dionne Warwick when they were doing background work. Then she had her hit. But she wound up again doing a lot of guest singing and background work. She's sung on uh, records by the Rolling Stones, by Pink Floyd, many others, including Vivian Stanchel. I think you heard her with him on our uh, sex special on the Patreon. In the song Dwarf Succulents, where she's lying in bed with Vivian, having some post-coital conversation. But she was a really terrific singer who deserves a lot more attention. This song is called He Don't Belong to Me. So let's get going with The Scene Is Now. Mm-hmm. 
Texas State University Lab Band plays Opalescence behind me. I'll tell you about the next set of selections. One of the most active and involved listeners to Buckaroo Holiday is our Canadian friend Ron, and he sent me a link to an Ed Sullivan clip where this band Inner Dialogue performed. He thought it was the kind of thing I'd get a kick out of. I didn't know there was any footage of this band at all, and he didn't know um, I knew about this band at all, so it was a nice coincidence that he sent me this thing. Thing is, I was going to do a whole piece on a lot of the connections that spin off Inner Dialogue, and I still might, but I'll just touch on it briefly today. The main reason I got into Inner Dialogue was because I was interested in a singer named B.J. Ward. Now, B.J. Ward, aside from being my favorite part of the hospital... Is a woman who's been in show business for many decades. She had an album called Vocal Ease in the early 70s. And through that album, I first heard of the great song Keep It To Yourself by Jerry Rafferty, which I played on a very early show. But the other selections on the album range from I Just Wasn't Made For These Times by Brian Wilson, which was not a hip song to do in 1970. Strike that, actually. It was very hip. What it wasn't was cool at the time. You dig? And uh, The Loner by Neil Young. Great song about a temporary rental while you're getting your car repaired. Oh! 
So a lot of cool selections on the album and a couple of originals. The originals were co-written with a guy named Tony Valona. I looked him up and it turns out he had written Music to Watch Girls By and some other big hits. And I also learned that he had been in this band called Inner Dialogue with B.J. Ward. So I looked them up. They were on Ranwood Records, which I remember as a Lawrence Welk's label. There was a whole slew of albums that would sell steadily to very old people. I always knew when a Ranwood buyer was coming into Sam Goody's. Hello, ma'am. You looking for Guy and Rolna? Hello, sir. Can I interest you in some Myron Florin? That kind of thing. Very successful label. And I guess the same way that Enoch Light signed the free design to kind of get groovy, to have a groovy act on his label, either Lawrence himself or one of his A&R guys got inner dialogue in there. And they were kind of free design-ish, but maybe a little weirder on one hand and a little like lamer on the other hand. They really fell into the groovy square camp. If you've heard my show on Groovy Square on the Patreon, you know what I'm talking about. Very specific genre. It's related to, but separate from Sunshine Pop. One way of looking at Groovy Square is if it's a record from that period, late 60s, early 70s mainly, and it sounds like it was influenced by Brian Wilson at all, it's probably Sunshine Pop. It sounds like it was influenced by the Four Seasons at all, it's probably Groovy Square. But that's just a rule of thumb that doesn't always apply. So, Inner Dialogue also featured a musician named Gene DeNovi. Now, Gene DeNovi was a music veteran. Still is. He still might play. I'm not sure. Up in Canada, from what Ron tells me, he was pretty active for a number of years. But now he played with Boyd Rayburn. And Boyd Rayburn had an orchestra back in the swing era. It was kind of influenced by swing and bop. And a little bit chamber jazz-ish, a little bit novelty-ish, a little bit third stream-ish. Not as ponderous as third stream, not as wacky most of the time as novelty, and not as chamber as chamber jazz. Whatever all that means. But Rayburn had a guy writing his charts and writing tunes for him called George Handy, who was a real creative guy. This music falls sort of in the same camp as Raymond Scott, Alec Wilder, Reginald Forsyth, that sort of thing. But a lot of interesting people worked with Boyd Rayburn's orchestra. He worked with Una Carlisle, who I've played a number of times on the show and will play more. The great Dodo Marmorosa, really unique piano player, and so forth. So there's this great tradition. I mean, Gene DeNovi also played with like Zappa and all sorts of people. He did a lot of sessions. Incredible, like the tendrils that go out through the music business. Now, B.J. Ward herself has had this very resilient kind of career. She must be very driven because she had her ill-starred attempts at a solo career. She never really hit with that record or with the Inner Dialogue band. But she went out to do voice work. Here is something she did for Disney Parks. Please remain seated during your tour, keeping your hands and arms inside the vehicle. Here's something she did for Hanna-Barbera. Would you come to bed already? You haven't stopped complaining about Fred all night. Don't bother me, Betty. We're moving. She also did a one-woman show called Stand Up Opera. Has done albums, Latter-day albums of standards and things. Great stuff, by the way. And just because of all of this stuff, I really admire her. Very, very talented. I'm not going to be able to cover all this today, all these different tendrils, but I'm going to touch on Inner Dialogue and Boyd Rayburn. 
The Boyd Rayburn track I've selected is called Hey Look I'm Dancing. And this is from a V-Disc. It's one of these records they made for the armed forces back in those days. And it's introduced by George Handy himself. Right after that, we're going to play a track by The Inner Dialogue with the unlikely title Yesterday the Dog. And it's a kind of weird one. Then after that, I'm going to play a track that I also learned about through one of our listeners. Great guy named Jeff, who was a longtime supporter on the Patreon. I do believe he's left the fold, which is sad, and I really don't know why. But anyway, the Westerlies is a brass band, and the trumpet player, Chloe Rowlands, or Rowlands, is a composer, and she wrote this piece. It's called When All of This Is Over. I think, and by the way, if I'm wrong about Jeff turning me on to this, if somebody else did, please remind me and I'll apologize. In any case, for now, I'd like to thank Jeff for all the support he did give the show and for turning me on to this and other things. Then I'm going to finish up the set with a song that everybody probably knows, is very familiar. It's because I fell down another rabbit hole the other day with the music of Graham Gouldman. Every once in a while I get onto the Graham Gouldman thing and it always amazes me that he's not cited alongside the names of the other great 60s songwriters like Ray Davies and Lennon McCartney, Brian Wilson, etc. And I'll get into that a little more on the other side of this set. I've been talking long enough. Let's get right to it. Starting off with Boyd Rayburn. Hey, look, I'm dancing. Hiya, fellas. This is George Handy, arranger for the Boyd Rayburn Orchestra. The record you're about to hear consists of four tone poems. Each of them tells its own story to be interpreted musically. Hey, look, I'm dancing tells the story of a clumsy oaf who is constantly made fun of on the dance floor. We make a musical incision and find that this clumsy character has a beautiful soul. He loves dancing from its artistic approach. We show a few pictures of his thought dancing and finally see him in his true light. The other tone poems are explained on the reverse side. And now the music. Thank you. 
Yesterday the dog ate the turtle Just before the news on TV Yesterday my love almost fell in love with me Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah, Graham Goldman, man. It's those parts of the song that go wind and rain and shine, that little melodic and chord combo there. Every time it comes around, I'm just, wow. So he wrote that song, also wrote a whole bunch of hits for 10CC, but he also wrote Heart Full of Soul for the Yardbirds and For Your Love for the Yardbirds, No Milk Today for Herman's Hermits. Uh, Just tons of great songs, and a lot of them were in that minor key. He said that he was so knocked out by House of the Rising Sun that he just took that chord change and started writing new songs around it, changing it slightly each time. It's pretty much what he uses all the time. He jumps up to major keys for the choruses a lot, and he does alter that chord change, but that's really the basis of it. They're beautiful songs, all characterized by that minor key feel, which is uh, not necessarily a somber feeling, although tends to go that way. Like with country songs, you're hard-pressed to find one that's in a minor key. Jolene, maybe a couple. It wasn't really common to pop music. And maybe Graham Goldman started it, I don't know. Maybe without him, no Doors. Maybe without him, no Nick Cave. Maybe without him, no Swans. And I've been thinking about Swans ever since I played something by Michael Girard on a recent show. And that's why I brought up the whole Graham Goldman minor key thing, really. Just uh, like shoehorning the Swans into it. But it is true that he did all those minor keys, but you know, I'm not saying he started it. Come on, what do you think, I'm nuts? So I'm going to play Song for Dead Time by Swans. I'm going to follow that with a little harp bit from a budget CD full of sound effects and music cues. Don't know who did it. It's like a dollar CD. Then we're going to hear an artist that I hear a lot in the car when we go on road trips because my daughter and my para-daughter, Adriana, always play her, Erica Badu. And this is a kind of an instrumental, mostly, number called Incense. Oh, Incense and Peppermints. That was another minor key one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, well, I don't know, then we're getting close to the end, aren't we? Maybe I'll play a little bit of Frank Riccati's Vibes, which is a library piece the Erica Badu record uses as a basis. Anyway, here's Swans with Jarbo on vocals.
interrupt vibes by frank ricotti because i gotta wrap this thing up you know and i want to get a little bit more in at the tail end here when i mentioned erica badu before there's another song that we listen to in the car that lily plays a lot it's by an artist named mitski and it's the kind of thing when i first heard it the lyrics first struck me as kind of i don't know sophomoric but of course you know she's a kid as i kept listening to it i realized that this is a deeply felt kind of number and I can only imagine the kind of personal pain my daughter invests in a song like this. Kind of like when I had songs when I was a kid that I really attached my feelings to. And it suddenly became a very serious thing to me and a very beautiful thing to me. My daughter is one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. And she sure knows pain. So I take it real seriously. So I'm going to play Nobody by Mitski. And I don't know if I ever played this Jan and Dean song when it's over before. I probably did, but it's a good closer. And so I'm going to go from Mitski to Jan and Dean, and then it'll be over, because see, when it's over, that's the thing. So I don't know, there's uh, some other stuff I guess I wanted to talk about today, but the time flew, you know? So uh, we'll just get to it next time. Meantime, listen for the third 70s movie special. That'll be on the Patreon. Some of my favorite stuff from Brad is in this episode. He's talking about David Lynch and uh, Werner Herzog, and it's terrific. Some other special stuff coming up. Hope to do another one of these a lot sooner. And I promise we'll have Willie's Plastic Waffle next time. We know you have a lot of listening options out there. So thanks for making me your podcast pal. Always remember, I want you to keep your feet down in your shoes and your head up in your hat. And, uh, and your, your, your arms in their sleeves. And uh, by gum, you just keep on keeping on, okay? You do that for me, your old pal Sport. And thank you. Thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday. The only fake radio you'll ever need. My God, I'm so
If I don't see 